0: Um, welcome ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your time today. Um, I firstly just want to apologise, we were originally uh, having a presentation focusing on accounting but unfortunately the uh, presenter that we had is a, had a personal family emergency which has made her unable to join us today and uh, we'll look forward to deferring that one into the future. But what I would like to do is actually take the opportunity to have a discussion around telehealth and medical practices. Um, And uh, and I think it's obviously a timely communication around obviously the integration of telehealth, what it is, how some of the item numbers might work. Uh, First, we want to acknowledge uh, SkinCyticals. We actually developed this particular training program for them, uh, for their clients. And uh, it was very kind of them, very graciously to allow us to step this presentation in on very short notice uh, and to be able to share it with you. So uh, I'm going to get started. Uh, So my name is Paul Elmsley. I'm the founder and CEO of HealthCert. Uh, but also uh, have the role of uh, we have a national skin cancer centre, so we have nine uh, skin cancer uh, practices uh, nationally, and we also have national skin repair centres. So this is the integration of skin repair and rejuvenation into some of our skin cancer practices. Um, and at the end, I'm going to be talking about a case study of one of our practices. So uh, I just want to preface the conversation: we're talking about general practice, and we can also be talking about aesthetics uh, as part of it, because once again, they sort of a, go hand in hand as far as uh, teleconsultations, but obviously they're built for differently and, and delivered for different services. So what I'm going to be focusing on today is what is telehealth, what the Australian government guidelines are, the methods by which you can deliver telehealth, the billing options, private versus uh, the MBS, uh, case study of how we've deployed it in our practice, and then the, basically the steps to get started in your clinic. Now, for many of you, you probably have started to put something into place, and definitely as the health minister tells us, there's been four and a half million teleconsultations already delivered. So I'm just gonna share you once again, some of the, uh, the key aspects of this. And we're gonna finish with some links and other resources for you as well. So what is telehealth? So telehealth is the delivery of health information services and the transmission of health information by the use of information and uh, communication technologies. So that could be a telephone, chat, video call, or video conference. And effectively what we're talking about is when we're having an interaction with the patient and the clinician, we are not in the same physical location. So this is obviously the replacement of a face-to-face consultation. And we're gonna be talking about um, synchronous communication, not asynchronous. So there's another method which telehealth could be delivered, which is where it's called store and forward. So this would be collecting information and then sending it on to somebody to review and then to get in contact with. So uh, for example, in our practices in our skin cancer practice, we've integrated a store and forward solution because we need to have high quality images from the patient and video conferencing uh, doesn't really provide us with that particular solution as such. Now, why telehealth in a general practice? Well, obviously we want to provide care and retain our patients in COVID. So there are obviously people that can't come in um, and we wanna be able to help support them. You could also, once again, increase the reach beyond the patient's you know, immediate proximity. So you know, not every practice is gonna have executed telehealth. So there's an opportunity to provide those who also are in a situation where they're unable to um, uh, access healthcare services because they are fearful to come into a practice or, or unable to do so, uh, to be able to provide them with that solution. Um, It can save the patients definitely time, obviously, coming into a practice and, uh, you know, ultimately, obviously money uh, with relation to, you know, being able to have these consultations as a solution. And, you know, we want to provide care for those that are considered at high risk. So, for example, um, as the government moves forward and we start relaxing some of the measures, uh, the social distance or some of the the restrictions at the moment, um, it may be the situation that government still says those people that are at high risk, so the vulnerable, the, you know, once again, people over the age of 70 still may be uh, required to um, practice, once again, some form of self-isolation uh, until we really do have obviously whether uh, well, we either eradicate the virus in our market or we have a vaccine to, sol- to have that um, a solution. And I think one of the, the key concerns that we've all shared is we've seen generally in general practice a, a decreased number of people coming in because they're obviously fearful. Uh, which is sort of understandable, but we do believe, as we know, there are many medical conditions or concerns that are going untreated or unmanaged, you know, during this time and we need to sort of fix that because ultimately what we're going to do is delay lots of other health-related issues which we're going to have to deal with post-COVID. Now, I I think the key thing is that, you know, the the, the challenge said, is that when you do a teleconsultation, the key thing I just want to get across with this slide is that With the information you have, this is the recommendations or what you're going to be able to, to do for the patient. So we need to be mindful of what the limitations of telehealth are. I mean, physically, I can't touch you. I can't feel you. I, You know, there's obviously many other interactions you'd be having with the patient, particularly from a diagnostic perspective, that you'd be having within your practice if they're standing in front of you. And telehealth doesn't replace those. So we need to be mindful that when we're, you know, documenting, once again, our our patient consultation and our records, and when we're talking to our patients, it is based on the information that you've given me, patient, and what I can see. Um, And it's obviously not meant to replace a face-to-face consultation. It's the best that we can do with the limited information we have before us. Now, if an an aesthetics environment, because once again, we originally built this presentation specifically for aesthetics, I mean, why would you want to... Uh, have telehealth consultations. Now, bear in mind for aesthetics practices versus general practices, they've been in a very different situation. So whilst general practice has been able to continue business as usual, for the most part, a lot of aesthetics practices have been restricted on the sort of services they can provide. Um, You know, so once again, I suppose, once again, the more cosmetic type treatments basically uh, are not being delivered. Uh, One of the major insurers will not provide insurance for the doctors. So these practices have had to sort of innovate in a particular way, beyond that because ultimately we probably didn't know how long before um, some of the relaxation of these measures may be and how you're obviously going to still operate the practice and try and drive an income uh, during the service. So I mean, the key thing is the same thing. we want to provide care and retain our patients. So we still want to have a relationship with our patients during this particular point of time. Um, the other advantage of telehealth is we can still provide some services to them. So for example, You know, selling cosmeceuticals or other uh, related services can be done, once again, quite effectively via telehealth. And also, once again, allowing to go beyond what is the geographical boundary or time-based boundaries that people might have. I mean, some people struggle to go and see a practice Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. You know, now in the current situation, they might be able to access that. Um, Same thing, once again, more the cost of time and money. And the key thing is also a lot of cosmetics skin consultations about building a relationship. So we can still maintain a relationship. You're not going to replace the face-to-face examination, but I think once again, when you look at aesthetics, there's also general dermatology conditions. So I know within our uh, you know skin repair side of our business, we are managing a lot of general dermatological conditions, so acne, you know, rosacea, these sorts of things. We still can provide those services to our patients. You know, we, we're not obviously doing filler and those sorts of things at this very point in time. And the same thing, once again, you know, if you're running on an aesthetics practice, it is still with the information I have in front of me, this is what I would recommend. Uh, but ultimately, as we know, uh, you know to, to be able to deliver a, a comprehensive uh, consultation will require face-to-face, which hopefully won't be too long before we get to do that again. Now, the Department of Health guidelines is basically they prefer video conference as a a method of replacing replacing face-to-face but you can just use a telephone right so you don't have to one of the key challenges a lot of practices are going to have is you know to buy a webcam is relatively difficult because obviously everyone's working from home and they all want a webcam so for some practices it could be access to the technology or some of the hardware they might require some of it might be just their systems are not set up that way so for example in our practices we run what is called thin client so we have a basically a, a keyboard and a terminal and that, you know, links up to a big server, that terminal doesn't have the ability to um, run video cameras off it. So there are these sorts of challenges, but the key thing you were just trying to say here um, is that you can just use a telephone if you really need to. Now, the, basically to be compliant, Medicare compliant, you can use any of these particular apps or software. So you can use Zoom, you can use Skype, you can use FaceTime, you can use GoToMeetings and you can use Doxy. And we're going to show you Doxy a little bit later is how we've integrated that into our practice as a a purpose built tool specifically for this. I think the key thing all around here is around what basically the patient feels comfortable with. So for example, if they're an Apple user and they use their iPhone and they use FaceTime to speak to their kids or their grandkids all the time, uh, that might be the best method to use for them. So there is a degree of being able to work with your patients to understand what if they're feeling comfortable to use as well. Now, the key thing to remember is, as you know, a lot of these particular pieces of software were never fit for purpose for medicine, right? I mean, you know, once again, the whole security and privacy thing is still very relevant. Um, Some of the free versions are not commercial. So I think the key thing to ensure is that uh, with these, you know, telecommunication solutions, and it's also how you use them within your practice, which I'll touch on in a moment, uh, also become very important because it still is the, you know, the equivalent of having a consultation with a patient. Now, billing options. So, as everyone will be aware, there are Medicare item numbers that have been created for um, telemedicine. I mean, it's quite amazing that, you know, some of probably thought was on the horizon for a very long time has some you know, can't very rapidly come into our world and, and here is with us. Now, the key thing is these item numbers are available until the 30th of September. Uh, Whether they continue beyond that will obviously be something, I think, depending on how, once again, the COVID virus plays out will be one element. But I think it might be a bit difficult to put the genie back in the bottle. Uh, But once again, we'll just note the fact that these are temporary. So these item numbers are available to GPs, medical practitioners, nurse practitioners, participating midwives, and allied health professionals. So these are the people that can access the item numbers, which I'll go through in a moment. Now. I think the key thing is also is that telehealth needs to be provided with safe and clinically appropriate. So it needs to be that and I'm sure once again you wouldn't be engaging in uh, an activity that wasn't both of those things. And as I said they are items for non-admitted patients but be aware that there's a legislative requirement that the telehealth item numbers must be bulk billed for this subgroup of patients. Concession card holders, children under 16 and patients who are vulnerable to COVID. Now this, uh, I've been seeing watching the medical press, this has sort of been something that's a bit of a bone of contention because, I mean, how do you define vulnerable? I mean, you know, we could argue that we're all vulnerable in some way, shape, or form. Um, I mean, look, I, I think what we're just trying to say here is people who traditionally probably would have accessed bulk bill or let's say concession-charged uh, services in this particular situation, uh, you do have to bolt-bill them, but you do get double the incentive, which we'll talk about in a minute. Now. The other thing is, it, it so that is, you know, the, the patients we bulk billed, originally when they released these item numbers, we had to bulk bill all of them. And then um, the government recently changed those rules to the fact that no, you can charge privately out of pocket. The key thing is when you're charging something out of pocket, you still are required to get informed financial consent from the patients. So, you know, you need to let them know what it's going to cost before you actually, you know, deliver the service. So, uh, just be aware of that, and I'll talk, talk about how we manage that in a moment. Um, but if you are bulk billing people, you know, and it could be, once again, not just even that subgroup, but if you're bulk billing your patients across the group, you can get, once again, a uh, doubling of the incentive, which we'll go through those numbers in a minute, and they're related to these particular areas, so general practice, diagnostic, imaging, and pathology um, uh, services. Now, billing for telehealth consultations, is that, look, once again, you can only use the medical benefit scheme uh, uh, for, you know, clinical conditions. So we just want to get it very, very clear, you know, it is obviously a clinical condition, so that it can be anything in general practice, anything that's a general dermatological condition, but anything that's aesthetics, we just want to be very clear, you can't use the MBS for aesthetic consultation, unless it is acne, or once again, something which is clinically relevant as such. And once again, you can bill the patient privately for services and get the rebate if it is obviously a, a clinical condition. Now, for example, in, in our, our practices, we're charging the patient $40 out of pocket for teleconsultation. So once again, those people that aren't concession card holders or under the age of 16. And these are basically the descriptors for it. Now, uh, very thankfully, they're very, very similar to what we're currently doing. Obviously, you know, short, standard, long consults. Um, once again, the, the payments is you know 1750, 13, sorry, 3820, 7395, um, and effectively once again is it's it's, it's, I'm, I'm, you know, it's fortunate once again it is very very simple in the sense of how that is managed and what that looks like for us. So anything like I would said, lasting at least obviously you've got the the short beyond that, taking a short patient history, arranging necessary investigations, implementing a management plan, providing appropriate preventive um, health care. So the descriptors are basically the same. We're in a situation where the timeline is the same. Now, you know, I, I suppose I'm just conscious, it'd probably be rare that we're going to be doing things that are going over 20 minutes and over 40 minutes as a teleconsultation. But of course, it really depends on the patient that you're dealing with. Now, these are the incentives, which are, once again, you can get um, double those incentives. So uh, 10, 990 and a 10, 991, which you would all be very familiar with. Uh, for those people if you are using it for concession card holders and people under the age of 16. Now there are some sort of key principles around telehealth and you know these are universal no matter what practice you're in and what you are doing. It has to be easy to use for the patients. I think that we've all experienced downloading something or trying to use something and it's so clunky and so hard and I can't work it out you just leave it you know you just walk away. We don't want to be in a position with that with our patients we need to be Make sure whichever technology we use is, the, uh, is something that's easy to use for them. It needs to also be easy to use for the doctor. You know, and it, it could be even a nurse, depending on who's obviously uh, providing some of these services. So same thing, unless it's easy for a doctor to use, they're also going to equally be frustrated and not want to participate. And as I said, don't overcomplicate it. It's one of those sort of things is that, yes, there's a degree of probably being to be a bit flexible. I mean, I said, there's there's different online platforms you can use now, but you don't need to make it overly complicated. So as I said, the Descriptor allows us just to have a phone conversation, and that qualifies for something which we can do. Now, some of the other ones uh, is that, look, with video conference solutions, um, we're gonna show you one that we have deployed in our practice, it is just one. Um, but we basically picked it on the principle that it was really easy to use. Uh, And as I said, look, you can provide the service, you know, once again, from your practice. I think like anything, if you're using video conferencing, be mindful where you're doing the stuff. I mean, don't do it obviously sitting at your kitchen bench uh, probably, but I'm just conscious of the fact that, um, you know, the environment by which people are seeing you is obviously a reflection on your presentation of you and your practice. Now, other considerations is you need to train your staff on how to use this stuff. I mean, you can't just say, here it is, off you go. um, Because once again, you know, you need to train your staff like any other thing. I mean, you would never put in a new EMR system and then not expect to train your staff. This should not be treated any differently. Um, You need to consider once again, the hardware and software required, which we'll go through that in a moment. And also the appropriate practice policy and procedures. I mean, this is similar to doing a consultation, but different once again is that you know, for example, a staff member here is wearing headphones, uh, having the consultations obviously from a privacy perspective, depending on where they happen to be. So, you know, just be mindful once again, you still need to treat this as seriously as it would be a consultation for privacy reasons in your practice. Um, once again, safety and clinical need, the effectiveness of your services. So be very conscious of what this can do and help your patients for and what it can't, right? So. Um, you know, this is not the solution to every consultation. This is, you know, an opportunity for you to have a consultation with the patient. If they do need to then come in and see you and you need to allay their fears, you know, we have social distancing measures, we're a safe place to come, you know, et cetera. You know, make sure that once again, you're able to do that for your patients because, you know, the teleconsultation either will be all they require or it's going to be, once again, I suppose, the entree onto the fact that they are going to need to come in and see you because, you know, we can't obviously diagnose the condition or the concern you have, uh, just obviously over a video conference or the telephone. And once again, patient preference and skills. Um, You know, we're going to, traditionally, you know, we would say that older patients probably struggle more with technology, but I think we would agree nowadays that most of them have used Skype to talk to to grandchildren, you know, here or overseas, uh, you know, and or FaceTime, et cetera. But ultimately, once again, is the patient using their smartphone? Are they using a tablet? Are they using a PC? There's, you know, and this software can, to, can behave differently depending on which device you're currently using. So, as your staff are helping set this up, you know, these are the sort of conversations that they do need to have with those patients. And the other one is that, you know, once again, the willingness of the clinicians and the staff to participate because ultimately we need people to want to do this and to be comfortable to do this. So, you know, the, the, face, the, the fact of the matter is we do need to provide these services. We just need to find a way. Now, the telehealth delivery options is you can obviously just do it audio only. So, uh, hands free, but obviously ideally with a headset because then you can, um, uh, you know, be able to take notes and that's obviously a lot easier for data entry. Um, Video, so it can be a smartphone, could be a PC with a webcam. Um, Now, the key thing to remember, of course, is, you know, where you put your camera, how does it look, you know, these sorts of things, just be mindful of that. Uh, suitable lighting, so for example the room that I'm in is quite dark. I've actually got a desk lamp pointed on me because if I had that off you wouldn't see one side of my face. So be mindful that when you are setting this up that people can still see you. Now probably in your consulting room um, it would be fine but just be mindful of the fact is you know you don't have an image where you can't see half of you. And one of the other challenges of course is coming down to reliable internet you know bandwidth. I mean The challenge that we've sort of had at the moment, we've noticed this obviously with our teams, we've got teams spread out over the country. Um, You know, if people are, you know, let's say working from home, and this is for the patient as much as yourself, if they're home and they've got three kids all streaming YouTube as well at the same time as the patient's trying to do a consultation with you, you could end up with very ordinary internet connections. So, you know, have the the telephone as a backup, you know, if for some reason that uh, we can't have a meaningful conversation via video, make sure you've got the ability to be able to contact that patient via phone if that's obviously something you need to do. Now, just as I suppose, we're just going to walk you through um, going to, a service that we've decided to pick, which is called doxy.me. Uh, but this just gives you an idea with some of the softwares, what the view is for the patient and what the view is for the clinician. Now, like anything, my advice is you want to test it to make sure it works. So there's two parts of testing. Test it internally. So when you've got decided whatever technology or method you're going to use, get your team to, you know, role play and, and practice with each other. Get your family and friends to also do the same thing with you externally. Uh, and if you do have a patient who may be technology challenged, you know, it might be worthwhile one of your staff to have a quick call with them in advance just to make sure that it's all working. I mean, you, you don't want to be a situation as a clinician where you're spending five minutes trying to stuff around with the technology to try and make it work. I think we've all had those wonderful meetings where you all go in one to get to work straight up and obviously fine just spend half your time just trying to get it to work. Now the Department of Health has very specific guidelines with security and privacy and we'll send you this link separately with the video presentation so you can click on it and uh, read them and like I said please do read that information it is something which you need to be aware of. Now for the RACGP once again um, the general guidelines is this is that all of the free services, Skype, WhatsApp, Facebook are acceptable uh, to use in this particular environment. So uh, as I said, you know, you are generally, you are able to use whatever is basically in front of you. Um, you know, we are conscious of that. But as I said, you know, there was a you know, bit of media report about, you know, how, you know, how safe is Zoom as a resource. I mean, look, you know, all these things probably are hackable if they really want to be hacked. Uh, I would suggest a consult, you know, a conversation between you and one of your, Patients is a little different to hacking into the US government or something like that. So I think that for most part it is, you know, it's safe. But we just need to be mindful around um, those those particular settings. Now I'm going to give you a, a case study in telehealth. Now I'm going to give it from our skin repair business because we're using video consultation. The reason I've chosen not to do it for our skin cancer practice is we've chosen to do a combination of store and forward and telephone consultation. So maybe I'll just explain that first. So What we've looked at when we looked at implementing telehealth into our practice is that we don't have um, a high quality image to look at. So it's it's very hard for us to use video conferencing to look at a a suspicious spot or to look at a wound on a patient. So we've chosen to use a system which we'd actually developed many years ago for the NHS called eDerm. And we've adapted that now to be able for the patients to be able to upload some photos. And then our doctors can ring through and have a conversation with the patient looking at those photos. Um, now that works very well for us in skin cancer because we need that you know, that image from a smartphone as opposed to a video consult, but for the most part in most practices, you'll be looking to run video consultations, so that's why I've chosen to use this as the, um, the example because this is more practical for a general practice and or, uh, you know, for aesthetics practices as well. So effectively how does this workflow work? Um, We obviously enable on, so now on our website, if you go in to book an appointment, you can book an online appointment as one of the options. So uh, we use that through HotDoc. We can call the patient to confirm what method we're using. So in this situation, we want them to obviously to access Doxy. Now we've chosen Doxy because it's an online platform. There's nothing physically to download. There's nothing for them to navigate. They basically click on a link and it opens up on their screen. Um, you may want to get patients to send something through or fill in a pre questionnaire. I mean, they're they're optional things that you can do, but it is definitely an option for you. Um, We can email them the instructions on how to join. So we can send an email to the patient. Your consultation is at, you know, 1245, you know, click on this link. Um, We can call the patient on the day to take the payment over the phone. So if it's a privately billed consult, uh, we can, uh, get the, the our front office staff to confirm that appointment and take the payment just to obviously make sure we don't have any no-shows as well. Uh, in our situation, we sign in or the patient would sign in and they sit in a virtual waiting room. We start the teleconsultation. We then, if we've got uh, anything we need to send out afterwards, if it was scripts or, you know, in this example with skin repair, it could be products, uh, we can send those out to them. And then we also can have a feedback process afterwards to help re- fine-tune the process for the patient, because it's important, of course, how it may turn out for them as well. Now, as I said, so with what we've done is, so with our telehealth consultations with the doctor was privately billed, plus the Medicare rebate. So if it was a 15 minute consult for a general medical condition, you know, we'd be charging them 78, 20 and they get back to 38. Um, and we're both billing obviously concession card holders. And we are taking those payments over the phone uh, prior to it, so we make sure that we don't have to be chasing people. Now, that was for a general practice, for an aesthetics practice. We've been basically looking at, well, we are charging, once again, $95 for those uh, consultations. They don't have a Medicare uh, dollar um, attached to it, so that is just a flat rate for a consult. But if it was something, let's say, for acne, then we could apply. But, you know, for the most part, as you know, with some of these consultations, we don't know exactly what the patient wants because... Uh, we don't know until we have that conversation. Um, in our practices, if they have a conversation with a skin therapist, and that's typically talking about skin care and, and, you know, once again, generally leads on to um, a cosmeceutical purchase or something like that, uh, we offer those for free. So, look, part of that is just maintaining the relationship. There are patients or clients who are obviously run out of product, want more product, and want to have that conversation. So at least then from the perspective of, Supporting our patients, but then also having an additional revenue stream or at least a revenue stream whilst we're not able to operate it um, at full pace. uh, We can have that as part of it. And same thing, the payments are completed over the phone. Now, obviously, the skin therapist one would be after the consultation if they want to buy product. We can can, uh, charge them at that point once we know what it is they want. Okay, hardware. Now, you know, any current model webcam or, so, you know, Laptops and iPads and those sorts of devices have a camera built into it. If you have a device who doesn't, you might need to buy a webcam. Um, there's plenty of products in the market, but you know, the one that I'm actually using right now is exactly this product that's on the screen, uh, which is a Logitech item. And so they're around about $130, so they're not obviously a lot of money to invest. Um, and as I said, it's actually got a microphone sitting in it. I am using a headset, but the microphone in it um, does work very well and you can just mount it on top of your monitor. So that would be in a situation where you've got probably a desktop computer that doesn't have a webcam in it and you want to plug something into it. Video conference. so once again, we're using Docs EME. Look, we looked at the different service providers at the time. Um, You know, this is a US-based product. It's very simple to use. It's specifically designed for telemedicine. There are many, many out there and many more obviously coming available every day. you know, have we scoured the entire market and looked at absolutely everything? No, we had limited time like most of us to get something up and running. But we made the decision of this product on this basis. We got a free trial to test it so we could get to know to use it and like it. There was no software to install on either end. So there was no complexities at our end or their end. Um, it's easy to use for the patient and doctor. There's no recording uh, as such with this particular product that's fine by us and it's very secure. So they were the sort of the reasons that we picked it versus you know, using just you know, something else um, and allowed us once again to have a virtual waiting room It allowed us to have these uh, different other elements as such. Um, so just an example of a consultation in this particular situation, confirm the appointment over the phone, connect to the virtual waiting room, and then we can deliver the consultation. And here you can see you know, in this particular situation, the skin therapist demonstrating to the, um, uh, to the patient uh, how to use a particular product. So once again, video consultation can be used for that particular reason. Um, this is just an example of their just you know their login screen, and for the patient, it's once again for us, uh, we can log in and then start the call, and off we go. But as I said, if you want to have a look at it, um, please just go to their website. Some great videos to show you how that works. So getting started, just in conclusion, I mean what you have to do is define your goals for your telehealth consultation. So. What is it you're looking to achieve here, right? So one of it is obviously, you know, wanna look after the patients that need to be looked after, but we need to understand, once again, the limits of what we can provide as well. Understand which modes work for you and your patients and for your practice. And once again, that's gonna be technology, hardware related, as well as your patients. Um, design your workflow for appointment delivery and billing. So how does the workflow work? Who does what? Uh, select and install the technology. If you obviously need hardware or software, please do so. Deliver the staff training and demonstrations. As I said, please um, play with one another in the sense that we want to test and trial with one or two clinicians and also selected patients. So when we ran out, ran roll out our system, we picked a couple of doctors, we tested it with them first. Once they were happy with it, we were then able to look to roll it out to everybody else. Just don't roll it out to everyone simultaneously and then find you've got issues. That certainly would not be wise. Um, and collect and review feedback from your uh, clinicians and from your patients. So, Talk to everyone involved in the value chain. It might be, once again, whatever you picked that you thought was the right product turned out not to be the right product because it's got uh, clunkiness to it. It's not ideal. And the other one is to develop patient information sheets. So you probably already do give patients certain information uh, post the consultation, depending on what you're doing. Um, You might need to build digital versions of those. So as a follow-up to your consultation with your patients, you can um, physically uh, provide that resource to them. And that is the end of my sharing. So I didn't get the opportunity before, uh, ladies and gentlemen, to um, remind you that if you would like to ask any questions, there is a Q&A box at the bottom of your screen. Um, so right down the middle, if you're using a, a, a PC, um, there's a, it's a box down the middle with a little Q&A box. If you're on an uh, iPad, it'll be in the top right-hand corner. Uh, but if you're welcome to click on that, uh, I'm happy to take any questions uh, from anybody as such um, and whilst I'm waiting to see if there's any questions from anybody on the call uh, I just want to share that next uh, Thursday we've got um, a very special pre- presentation on domestic violence it's a um, it's a program that actually we've put together as part of one of our upcoming courses which was a mental health course and it specifically dealt with domestic violence um, and we've got uh, Uh, a special presentation of that particular lecture which we're going to be holding next Thursday. So, um, so far the feedback has been very positive, so thank you very much for those who are watching it. Um, I think, look, we're once again here here to help. What I'll do is I will, uh, when we send out the video presentation, I'll put my contact details. I certainly don't profess to be a world expert on this sort of stuff. Um, We developed, I think in 2007, starting to develop teledermatology software, which as I said, we deployed in the NHS in the UK originally and have been recently been repurposing. Um, and I, you know, so we have experience once again in that telederm, but that's door and forward. This, this uh, synchronous communication of uh, direct-to-consumer video conference is something quite new. Um, it'll be interesting to, to look at the aftermath as far as you know what it, what it means. I know that once again, a lot of practices are hurting. Uh, hopefully this can fill a bit of a hole. But I'm also hoping that within, you know, three to four weeks' time, we'll be back to, I won't say business as usual. I don't think that'll ever be the case. We'll have social distancing for the rest of this year. There's probably very little doubt of that. Um, but I really do appreciate everyone's time today. Uh, Hamish, is there anything else that I can do for us today? No, I think that's good. Um, you did mention the... the um... Webinar next week is a section from our upcoming women's health program. You said it was mental health. It's actually a mental Thank health uh, domestic violence uh, module from our upcoming professional certificate in, uh, in women's health, which we should be able to, uh, to be announcing over the next month or so. Um, but it's, yeah. uh, it's obviously very, uh, very topical for uh, the current COVID situation. Definitely. And the other one is just to remember that uh, Professor David Wilkinson um, will be doing his update on COVID, what it means and uh, and how it impacts us. The, I suppose the economy, the environment and uh, our practices. Um, it's been very well received. It's actually uh, just a wealth of knowledge and every week uh, it gets better and better as far as what we're you know, learning from what's going on. I mean we all know that we started human trials in uh, Oxford and also in Germany this uh, last couple of days. There's a lot of stuff fast moving on this and pretty much until we get to this not being in our life, it will be part of our life. So I would definitely encourage you if you've got time on Monday evening at seven o'clock Eastern time, um, taking the opportunity to participate and ask questions. It's been a really insightful um, session as such. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. I hope you uh, enjoyed the presentation. I look forward to being of service to you in the future. Thank you very much.